This is Global Ambitions, your 15-minute window into the minds of localization and international go-to-market experts. Discover how they respond to their biggest challenges. Here's today's host. Hi, everyone. My name's Kim Shuler, and I'll be your host for this episode of Global Ambitions. And today, I'm pleased that we're joined by Rachel Carruthers, the Head of Internationalization and Localization at Canva. Welcome to the program, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me, Kim. And today, Rachel's going to talk to us about localization in terms of design. So, Rachel, if you don't mind, it'd be really great if you could introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your role and about Canva. Sure. Um, Well, thank you again so much for having me with you today. It's an honor to be here. I am the head of internationalization at Canva, which is an easy to use drag and drop design tool, essentially, focused on allowing users to express their creativity and empowering the world to design as a a visual communication tool. And yeah, when it comes to my my day to day, I suppose, and, and localization at Canva, that's what we're here to talk about, obviously, but in a nutshell, in its essence, leading out the localization space is really about providing a Canva experience for users that feels truly local. And there's many different facets to that, but essentially making sure that users feel a sense of belonging, feel a sense of representation, and feel uh, you know, a cultural sense of creativity when they use our platform, which is really fun and exciting space to work in, frankly. Yeah, no, that's great. So within that role, what would you be able to share with us that you would say was your biggest challenge that you faced? I would say that the biggest challenge, and it's an ongoing challenge, is considering localization and the different aspects of localization outside of what we consider almost traditional localization. So UI localization, right? Mm-hmm. Metadata and, and all of this. And really understanding what it means to localize a design experience. Um, Because it it can be so different depending on who your user is, where they're from, what culture they come from. And design is just such an um, an expressive form. Uh, There's really no way of kind of pinning it down. It's almost counterintuitive sometimes to try to set up a product that you know is localized for design because you're almost putting your users into a box by default saying well you are french canadian so this is what you want to design right or you're in saudi arabia so obviously this is what's important to you so we need to make that happen and yeah it almost counterintuitively you know you're kind of limiting expression when you try to localize for it so it's always this ongoing balance it's um it's quite interesting but a, a fun and ongoing and fascinating challenge for sure Yeah, that's great. Definitely a lot to consider. So, I mean, how local do you go with this? Is that something that's been a challenge as well? You're localizing into different languages for different locales, but how local do you try and go? As local as possible. So that's kind of the path we're on right now. We're we're definitely dipping our toes into hyper-localization. For markets like Japan and South Korea, we're not there yet, but we're starting to roadmap a lot of this out. Taking the UI and the UX of the product and really adapting, obviously, the language and, and the tone of voice, everything that's quite important to users in those languages, but making sure that we have things like local publishing endpoints for local social media platforms available in 
there as well. So for example, in Canva, you can create a social media graphic that you can then post to Instagram or you can post it to Facebook. In a place like Japan, where Line is actually the most pervasive social media platform, I think half of Japan, upwards of 86 million people use Line on our basis. That needs to be a part of the everyday experience in Canva for Japanese users, right? So that's kind of getting really into the specific, you know, use cases, meeting users where they already are. So everything from customizing product to also looking at the content that's in the editor. So I've spoken about this before, but we're focusing a lot on template content that's not just localized, but then market bespoke as well. So generated for and by that market, actually. You see things like localized currency and then localized pricing are quite important. But Canva being in over 100 languages, I, sadly, uh, we're not hyper-local in all of those. I wish we were. That's kind of the big miracle, right? Um, so yeah. for a good number of our language, we have basic localization, which I think is, you know, what you'd see as the bread and butter, the, the UI localization, localized search and, and discoverability, everything like that. The, mm-hmm. the word basics, but just kind of the expectations of what a user would need to navigate the product. But slowly but surely, we're taking a lot of our key strategic markets from this place of internationalization kind of all the way to hyper-localization and following this pyramid, if you will, to that cherry on top that is that traditional experience. That's great. Yeah. So really, how have you gone about working out what design means in each market? How have we gone about that? I, I mean, I would say we're still going about it. We're constantly going <laughs> about it. Um, and we do that a few different ways. I mean, we have teams that are on the ground who are able to give us local insights, anecdotal insights, their own user experiences to kind of tell us what feels natural and creative for them. And a more kind of research and insights level, we do partner with a few agencies that help us better understand market landscapes and the uses and attitudes towards design. So what we've found um, in working with a few of our agencies and doing this research is very roughly, you can look at users kind of through a few different lenses, one being more global audiences. And these tend to be markets and audiences that are generally more globally connected, whether that's, you know, digitally or what have you, and have kind of more a sense of design for design thinking sake, if that makes sense. And then there's also kind of a category of markets where they fall into much more local nuances and much more locally driven design aesthetics. You know, I think we can see that reflected a lot in markets like Brazil or even Mexico, where the, the, the kind of creativity and expression is so vibrant and, and so expressive that it just has this super local kind of, you know, touch and feel. You, you can't you can't miss it, right? Um, yeah, you can't mistake it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of understanding how different markets operate under the in the larger context of, of the world and where they kind of fit into these categories and then understanding what like I said, what design means in those markets is design a means for creativity, self-expression, or is design considered an approach to something? You know, when you think of markets like um, Germany, there's a lot of, you know, you have Bauhaus and, and everything like that. Um, you've got this school of design that is really about the approach to design almost more than the design itself, which is yeah. fascinating. Anyway, this is all quite psychological now, but you, you really kind of understand. That helps you understand how your users are approaching design and therefore how they're approaching your product, which I think has been valuable to us as well. Great. That's really interesting. 
So in your journey, is there something come up that you think is a good thing to share as advice for others or maybe a warning about something that happened you didn't expect? I would say that in this kind of next wave of localization that we've been in over the last few years, the biggest obstacle, I would say, uh, is ensuring that we aren't imposing our own ideas of what design means and what creativity means onto our users in different markets. It's it's super easy for anybody to look at a design or a piece of art even and say, oh, that's really bad. Or, <laughs> oh, that's, you know, loud or, um, oh, that's amazing. And um, it's all subjective. Design will always be subjective. Art will always be subjective, right? And that's why, as I said in earlier, trying to pinpoint and create a roadmap or to categorize anything is almost counterintuitive to what we want to do. So it's, it's, a constant, it's a constant obstacle, but it's something that I think once you're aware of, you're able to kind of self-navigate a bit more. And we question ourselves and we question not just why we're doing some things with regards to localization the way that we're doing, but mostly just keeping certain, I, I suppose, checks in place, if you will. And that, that seems almost like an oversimplification. But because we invest so much time kind of looking into these markets, researching these markets, understanding the design context, we're able to really try to, to keep our own egos at the door and our own expectations um, and desires even for the product yeah. at the door and really understand, you know, we're building this for our users, not building it for us. Um, everybody who was building a product was constantly re-articulating it for what made them feel comfortable and they'd never be happy. So is there something you can share with us that you feel like you or your team did really well? Yeah, so something that we definitely strive for and, and look, to be completely honest with you, something that's absolutely still a work in progress is to ensure that our users are being and feeling represented in our content. So obviously the, the base kind of example there are templates, but when somebody is designing a template and they're you know, making uh, an invitation for their child's birthday and they're looking for a photo of a family, right? They can't find families that don't look like them. It's an incredibly jarring experience. Yeah. It's a, it's a really unfortunate one as well. And it's not just completely against what you want to be doing for a product when you're trying to engage your users, but it's also completely against what we feel at Canva with, you know, um, empowering the world to design and creating a platform for diversity and representation, right? So it's something that we're working incredibly hard towards. We still have a lot of room to go, but we have a lot of resources now um, at our disposal. Uh, we're collaborating with creators and contributors around the world, photographers, illustrators, graphic designers, to help close that gap. And to really, again, continue to better understand how to better serve uh, and represent our incredibly diverse user base. Yeah, no, definitely. So within Canva, how have you set up the team to enable that to happen? What is there anything there where you feel like, you know, we did this really well or this really helped us along our way? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a bit of a journey over the last four years with how our team has actually been structured and organized. Um, at first, we were kind of like a pod sitting um, adjacent to a lot of the product space. And since time have evolved to more of a hub and spoke model within Canva itself. So we're actually now sitting more closely with the marketing side of things uh, internally 
And that's kind of where our, our home is. But what has worked well is that a lot of our localization specialists are embedded in different areas throughout the business. And what that means is that they attend team meetings, they help plan team goals for the season. They are basically there as the wonderful, very vibrant localization champion, making sure that I mean, they're international user champions as well, making sure that they keep the international user experience front of mind for folks. And I think we can all attest to that. That's always a bit of a challenge, I think, for most localization teams and most companies, right, when they're globalizing their products. But this attitude and this structure of embedding into different groups Again, it, it helps keep localization front of mind, but then it helps place ownership of localization within those teams as well. It helps to create excitement about possibilities. And when you're talking to teams whose job it is to say up revenue, you can say, well, hey, if you've actually taken this thing, instead of just translating it into German and into Italian and into Spanish, um, here are the kind of USPs are the kind of unique selling points for Canva in these markets. Here's how, here's what users actually need to design. Here's what they're looking for. And you can actually just gear your messaging towards those USPs. That means more revenue for you because people will be more likely to convert. So, it, you know, you're really kind of putting the power into their hands and it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. We get to educate, we get to empower and they get to kick goals, you know, so every, everyone yeah. and um, it just has fostered a lot of collaboration, which is wonderful. I think, you know, the best ideas are born out of strong collaboration and a lot of cross-cutting company initiatives too, which just is really exciting because, yes, from the localization perspective, you kind of get to have this lens on everything because you're working with everybody and you get to connect people in the business saying, hang on, you're actually planning to do this. And she was talking about doing this and this, so you guys should probably connect. And so it's fun yeah. to drive that collaboration. Get the whole company thinking globally. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you, Rachel. You've given us some really great insights. It's been great to talk to you. Great to talk to you too. Thanks so much, Kim. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Global Ambitions. Subscribe at globalambitions.net or wherever you get your podcast.